This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. When we first set out to plant the Trails Church, we prayed that God would go before us, that His presence would go with us, and that He would carry us each step of the way. Our desire was to be a church that would know and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that its truth and power would work in us, producing a God-glorifying, disciple-making, joy-giving, mission-advancing culture. So four years ago today, we were in a rhythm of meeting every other Sunday afternoon over the course of nine months where we opened the scripture and dreamt about the kind of church that we might plant. We walked through our statement of faith and our theological convictions. We discussed meaningful church membership and our church covenant. We articulated a philosophy of ministry that was devoted to being a congregation of disciples committed to helping make disciples and that is faithful to the mission that Jesus himself gave us as his people. Honestly, this didn't take much creativity. We just uh, walked this well-worn path that Christians have gone through history and around the world today. But tonight, at our church property, Lord willing, we will have the incredible privilege of breaking ground together. We will soon have a home, a base camp for gospel ministry for years to come. We believe that we're at a pivotal moment in the history of our church. So we're approximately one year away from moving into our new building. And so what the elders and I decided to do was spend three weeks before heading into the summer thinking about what is foundational to us as a congregation. A year from now, some things will look different. Some things will have changed. Lord willing, we'll have a permanent place to worship. We'll no longer require an army of people to wake up in the dark and come set up all of these things, like the chairs you're sitting in now. We'll say good riddance to that ice maker that throws out ice at every moment of silence. <laughs> Maybe with a hammer. Uh, we will have likely grown numerically as we continue to welcome people moving to our community from all around the world. We pray most things look the same. That we will continue to be a congregation committed to Christ and to the Word of God and to maturing around this vision of glorifying God by making disciples through the gospel, in community, and on mission as we seek to know Christ and make Him known. We'll be in the book of Colossians for the next few weeks. And the main goal of Paul's letter to the Colossians is that they put Christ first in everything and that they grow into maturity. So my goal in these three weeks in this series entitled Together for the Mission is that we, the Trails Church, would put Christ first in everything, and we would continue to grow into maturity. Then, as we courageously move forward, that we would grow deeper in our understanding and our love for the gospel, deeper in our commitment and love for one another, and 
deeper committed in our mission to reach people for Christ. In Colossians 1, 3 through 8, we find a compelling, inspiring picture of the transforming power of the gospel at work in the life of a local church. Paul writes this word of thanksgiving to the Lord as a means of encouraging the church. He highlights what the good news of Jesus had done in their lives and in their congregation was already doing around the world. Before he warns them of any of the dangers that would soon be knocking at their door, he builds them up by recalling how God is at work in the church. From this passage, we'll see how they were brought together by the gospel and were now living together for the sake of the gospel. There are two main ideas in this passage that I believe are essential to us as a church family to keep in our sights. First, the centrality of the gospel. And second, the activity of the gospel. So, uh, with our heading set, would you stand to your feet as we read together Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Though written long ago, speaks to us today. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Would you be seated? The first reality I want to draw from our passage is the importance of the centrality of the gospel. Before we explore the good fruit of the good news produced in the lives of these Christians, we need to see first what this message was and why it was so vital to their life together. Verse 6 says that this gospel which came to you. You see what God has done in the lives of these Christians as well as the church all started by someone bringing the news of Jesus. That's how it came to them. Someone brought it. We notice also that they heard it, which means what? Well, someone must have shared it, spoken it, preached it, announced it. Verse 7 tells us this man was called Epaphras. Epaphras was a homegrown boy from the town of Colossae. He had heard the message of Christ, believed it, and simply could not keep it to himself. He shared it. You notice in verse 6, it says, Since the day that they heard it and understood the grace of God. Well, that word grace includes a reminder to us that it was only by God's grace that they could understand what was being said at all. God opened up their understanding and demonstrated His grace by revealing Himself through the message that was preached, the message of Christ. There are a couple of things I, I want to make sure that we see from this account. First, that the gospel is a message of good news to be proclaimed. 
and also that the gospel is the word of truth to be believed. So let's look first at the gospel as a message of good news to be proclaimed. Gospel is an English translation of a Greek word, euangelion. It was first used to describe the joyful announcement of a messenger that would bring news of a battle that had been won. And what a joyful announcement we have heard and now get to share. The war against sin and Satan and death has been, has been won once and for all. Paul uses this word gospel in his letters regularly. But like us, uh, frequently takes time to explain it, to define it. He assumes his readers are already familiar with, with what he meant. But I want us to be specific this morning. Because for Paul, the gospel was a proclamation of the historical events of Jesus' birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection. That is the content of the gospel. It is the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. All of these events were to be understood in the context of the whole story of Scripture. So in light of the Old Testament, and focused, pressed in on the effect that the work of Christ has toward our sins. Now, there are a few places that Paul defines and summarizes the content of the message. Little We call these little gospel shorthand passages. Um, I read through a, a few of them this week, like Romans 5.8. Uh, but here, here's one. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. This is where Paul uses the word gospel and then articulates what he means by it. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I would remind you, brothers, not new news, the same news, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. You see there present some of those gospel artifacts that Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ was raised from the dead. And notice how all the things are paired with this phrase, for our sins. There it is. What is the gospel? This is its content. It's Christ and what he has done. Other places that Paul Um, mentions this, he summarizes the effect that the gospel has for those who believe. I spent some time just looking through a few of those this week. Romans 5.8, 2 Timothy 2, chapter 8. One of my favorite passages, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5.21 where he does that. Paul explains the effect of the gospel when he says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin... To be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The first thing we must understand is that the gospel is a message of good news that is meant to be proclaimed, spoken, articulated, preached, whispered, sung, shouted. Second, the gospel is the word of truth to be believed. Notice in verse 5, Paul calls the good news. The word of truth. It's the true news of Jesus Christ. Paul believed it was true 
when Christ opened his eyes on the road to Damascus to believe that. Epaphras, when he heard it, believed it was true. The Colossian church had believed this truth when it was shared with them. Um, The minister at St. Helen's Bishopgate in London named Dick Lucas once wrote, The gospel of Christ is nothing less than the truth beyond human invention and imagination. In this context, it's useful to recall the familiar phrase, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The gospel is just this. So we can neither add to it nor subtract from it without doing serious harm to the integrity of that proclamation. So this good news that was preached to us and that we share with others is the word of truth. Yet it's not just news that's meant to fly through the air. Rather, it's meant to land on the thoughts and hearts and lives of people. It is to be believed. So let's be clear. The gospel comes with an invitation. Come and find forgiveness of sin. That's the invitation of the gospel. And the gospel also transforms every part of our lives. It begins with our hearts and works outward. The gospel does that. But the gospel is not primarily an invitation or a technique for changing people's lives. It is a command to be obeyed and a power to be let loose in the world. It is to be believed in. The good news that Jesus Christ has come bringing forgiveness of sins through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection is the announcement to be believed in as true. So friend, if you've not believed in this truth yourself, this is the good news that we have to announce to you. Through Christ and Christ alone, his life, his death, his resurrection, salvation and forgiveness For your sins has been provided. So what do you have to do in response to this good news? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. And you will be saved. So to the people of the trails. Who I love so wholeheartedly. Let's keep the gospel first in our life together. I want to remind you what I've been reminding of you from the beginning. Let's keep the gospel central. It was Christ and his completed work that brought us together. It is Christ and Christ alone that binds us together. It is Christ and his completed work that will keep us together. This bond is stronger than all of the things that we share in common added up together. We were brought together by something more than our zip codes. We were bound together by something stronger than our political persuasion. Kept together by something more durable than our philosophy of life. We were brought together by the gospel and now live together for the gospel. So let's keep our Bibles open in front of us. Growing and maturing in our understanding of who God is. Experience communion with Christ 
reveling in all that he's done for us. And let's proclaim together the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. To proclaim the wonders of his love given to us in Christ. The beauty of the cross Christ bore for sinners. You see, we live in a world that reels against those things. From the message of the cross, the exclusivity of Christ, the notion there's only one way to be saved, of the reality of hell, of substitutionary atonement, of the sovereignty of God and salvation. Yet every tenet of the good news of Scripture, yet it is the word of truth that we have been commanded to believe. So let me encourage you, do not grow weary of proclaiming and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's know it well enough and believe it deeply enough and rejoice in it greatly enough. We would never be found guilty of adding to it or subtracting from it. Let our message be salvation in Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less. The second reality I want to highlight from this text is the activity of the gospel. What happens when we keep the gospel central in the life of our church? Well, there's activity that streams from it. Once the good news had reached the Colossians and transformed their hearts, it began to transform their entire lives. Epaphras had gone to see Paul in prison. Paul is writing this letter from prison. And he reported to him, All of the wonderful things he saw at work in the congregation. It was evident to him and to Paul both that Jesus was at work in them. And in verse 4, Paul gives thanks to the Lord for the ways that the gospel is bearing fruit in the church. There are three familiar evidences of grace that Paul notes. Here are the words, faith, hope, and love. I want to explore each of these very briefly. First note that the church in Colossae was full of faith in Christ. It cannot be overemphasized how important those words are. This is the way to salvation. Faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. He was the object of their faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. The whole of scripture presents God saving His people by faith. The people of long ago were saved by looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Those afterward where we live in the timeline of redemption, we are saved by faith looking back to the completed work of Christ. But it is by faith in Christ and faith alone that we are saved. The second reason for thanksgiving comes as Paul mentions the church's love for all the saints. Now, let's not misunderstand the word saints. This is not a select group of holier-than-thou people from history. Paul is referring to the local church, a group of people like us, saints. Saint is just another word for Christian. For Paul, the way that Christians love one another is the litmus test of the gospel. A vertical relationship with Christ is inextricably linked to the horizontal relationships among fellow Christians. The Apostle John gets at this in chapter 13, 35 of his gospel. He says, The world will know we are Christians by our 
love for each other. And then notice there's a little adjective buried in this phrase that is massively important. The word all. All the saints. Paul doesn't commend them for just loving the people in the church that are just like them in the same social spheres or economic status or political agreement. It's not even found in those who are most lovable, but all the saints. The love demonstrated in the early church is what made it stand out in their culture filled with hate and division. Doesn't that sound uh, alien to us? This is the world we live in. Barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, male and female, Jew and Greek, learned and joined hands and sat down at one table. They knew themselves to be one in Christ Jesus. We'll look at this more next week, but of course our love for one another is but a reflection of the love that we've first known by Christ in the gospel. When Christ first loved us by all accounts, when we were unlovable, covered in our sin. And then the final reason for this thanksgiving Paul mentions is that the church's hope laid up in heaven. So faith, hope, and love are mostly written in that order, but here they're a bit jumbly, aren't they? It seems that Paul wants to place the emphasis on this word hope. He writes it last to remind the church of all the blessings that await us in the life to come. As a matter of fact, the way it's written shows that their hope in the promises of Christ and the gospel and the life to come is the very reason that love and faith are overflowing in their church. Their hope was built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Or we might say that Christ was their hope in life and in death. Paul highlights this by showing where their hope is placed, is fixed. It's in heaven. This connects with what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, which tells of our inheritance kept in heaven for us and a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. And then Paul says, you've heard all this before in the word of truth, the gospel. And there everything comes full circle. He's not telling them anything new. He's just reminding them of the things that they knew. and well, That's the very thing that I hope to do today. Not to tell us anything that we don't know. But to remind us of the foundation upon which we were built. Of the things we most believe in. At the center of that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in light of all this, let me just challenge us. As we proclaim and believe in the gospel and this good news of Jesus to allow all of its joy and truth and life to shape the culture of our church, to affect the way that we live with one another. And we have to cultivate that. Like a farmer cultivates a field, we must cultivate this church. Let us cultivate our faith. Let's be Christians who understand that everything that we have and everything that we've come to believe has been a gift from the grace of Jesus. Christians should be the most holy, happy people on the face of the planet. And we're a theological church, and we must be, because doctrine matters. Yet our theology should not puff us up because we think we have all the right answers. 
It should make us the most humble people because we recognize how kind and generous and loving God has been to teach us through his word. So let's cultivate our faith. Pay special attention to it. Grow deeper in it. And let's cultivate a culture of love as we grow in our understanding of the patience of God toward us. It empowers us to be patient with others. As we walk in awareness of how much we have been forgiven, it allows us to forgive people who injure us along the way. And let us cultivate a culture of hope where we are able to weather the storms of life because we know this is not our final resting place. To navigate a world that's increasingly hostile to the message we believe so deeply in because we know that we are not of this world. And let us pray that the power of the gospel would flourish in our congregation. That we might see our lives ripe on the vine with the fruit of the Spirit. Faith, hope, and love will not fade with the passing of time. I told you this in the letter last night, but Jamie and I were driving around uh, yesterday afternoon and just talking about how much the Lord has done in these three and a half years of um, our life together as the Trails Church. And um, I, I can't believe tonight we're breaking ground on this place. Praise the Lord. And I was explaining to our kids what a joy these years have been uh, for uh, their mom and I. Um, and the memories I hope they carry with them through life having been a part of, of planting this church. Our kids have played a vital role in planting this church. Do you remember early on in kids' ministry where if you dropped your kids off, it was like Lord of the Flies. It was like all kids running the show, and we didn't think that was wise. So we got, Now it's, it's much different. But I, I pray for this next generation growing up in the fertile soil that we call the trails, that our kids would live for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel through their lives. Who knows what the Lord will do through them. And as I've confessed to you many times, I pray that the Lord would scatter them to the four corners of the earth with the goodness of the Jesus name. Many who will leave right here to bring glory to him in business and uh, politics and government and classrooms but others will be missionaries and church planters and preachers and Sunday school teachers. What I know is that there are um, many more years, Lord willing, should the Lord tarry in front of us. Years that no doubt will be filled with many different seasons, some as bright as the midday sun. Let's pray for those. Others as dark as a moonless night. Yet my prayer is that we would hold fast to the centrality of the gospel in our lives as Christians and in our life together as a church. That we would continue to grow in our understanding of who Christ is and all that he's done on our behalf. That we would live out of that great reality. And I pray also we would see the activity of the gospel springing up from the ground. That our faith in Christ would grow stronger year by year. That the roots of our faith would grow like a mighty oak. That our love for the saints would flourish like a tree planted by streams of water. And that our hope would remain fixed on nothing in this life but on Christ who is our hope. 
in this life and in death and in the life to come. So let us remain together for the gospel. Let's ask for the Lord for his help. Father, we thank you for the faith, hope, and love that we see resonant in our church. God, let us not grow complacent, but keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Strengthen our hands to serve you. Strengthen our feet to follow you. Strengthen our hearts to love you. And be glorified in this place. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.